The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Oh boy, oh boy, this is going to be a big episode of The Adventure Jogger. Andy Jones-Wilkins is is my co-host on this episode. Andy, welcome. Hey, Ryan, it's great to be here. How are you? I'm doing good. Let's get right to our guest. This is a big one. This is the ultra running story, I think, of 2021. An icon makes a comeback. We all cheered him on in the movie Unbreakable. We were amazed and inspired by his incredible 200-mile training weeks. Then he had to step away from the sport for a while until this past weekend when he towed the line at Leadville, a race he had won twice before and would run one hell of a race and finish third. I can't believe I finally get to say this, but Anton Kaprichka is on the Adventure Jogger. Welcome, Anton. Uh, thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. Okay, so let's get started right, right from the start. This is like a huge deal. Uh, you know, the, I'm sure the Twitter numbers for Leadville were through the roof. I was scanning. I was disappointed by the lack of shirtless pictures. Um, <laughs> they were focusing a lot more people. But let's go back, Anton, a, a bit before we get to this year's Leadville. And let's talk about those years ago. I, six years was, was your last race. Yeah. What was that moment like for you when you had to decide to step away for a while from this sport that you really helped kind of uh, blossom and, and kind of get people into this thing in the early part of the boom? Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting, interesting question. I don't know if I was – I would probably credit Scott Jerick more and Tracen for – maybe the the boom of ultra rain. I don't know. It's debatable when that could even be considered to have started. But um, I didn't ever intentionally step away from the sport, I mm -hmm. guess. And every year I would make sort of, uh, you know, tentative plans to, to race a couple races and it would just never work out because I'd always be injured. And I think maybe, you know, with the pandemic in 2020, like I, I think a year ago I was actually ready to to race an ultra. Yeah. But um, there were, were no races, uh, and it was probably a good thing because it just it gave me a gave my Achilles even more time to to readapt to you know some moderate running volume at least, and just get another twelve months under my belt of creeping up the long run, um, so I could do a hundred miler again. So yeah, kind of worked out. Body wise, how is it for you? Because you know, I mean, you know what it felt like when you were, you know, in the Unbreakable movie when you'd won those first two Leadvilles. You knew you were doing those two hundred mile weeks. You were in peak shape. What was it like building back to that and trying to get to that point where you felt like that Anton again? Yeah, well, I, I did. I don't feel like that Anton again uh, because. I will never do 200 mile weeks again. And, and when you're running that much, at least for me, you know, a big part of that was just, you have so much confidence and uh, yeah, you just like, Oh, my body is up for the task, you know? And here 
I probably did a month of like 50 mile weeks <laughs> before, <laughs> before the race. Um, and that, I guess I was just like trusting that, you know, I think I've run a hundred miles 10 times before this past weekend and, you know, innumerable 50 milers, 50 mile plus runs. Um, just having that lifetime base, I was like, it's just another long run. If I get, you know, I had two runs that were six, seven hours long um, in the month leading up to the race. I was like, I think that's enough going into it. That's like right on the line of where I wasn't going to be like re-injuring my Achilles and really compromising my recovery going into the race, but enough to be prepared to run a hundred miles, I think. Hey, hey Tony, Andy here. I, I, you and I had a little exchange a couple days before the race, and you said something that was so poignant to me and something I could really relate to, which was, you know, whatever, whatever the passage of time meant to you, you now you were going into last Saturday with an appropriate amount of fear about the distance or, or trepidation or intimidation about the distance. And I think, I mean, we, we can say what we want about, you know, a hundred miles and this and that and the other 200 mile weeks. It's still a long way to run. You hadn't done it in a long time. And here you were 48 hours before the race, like, Hey Andy, you know what? I, I'm, I, I have a healthy intimidation about the distance. I mean, that, that had to be like a cool moment to come to that. Yeah, I think um, I needed that kind of uh, that kind of spark of freshness, though, to be motivated to do to race an ultra again. Actually, you know, it's it's if it doesn't if it doesn't uh, like scare you a little bit, or if it feels rote in some way, it's hard to it's hard to get up emotionally for it. And for me, it was a, it was an, it was a big exciting adventure again to try and run a hundred miles. And but the the main difference was. Uh, you know, except for, I would say, my very first Leadville, um, every 100-mile race since then, I was always trying to race it. You know, I wasn't really respecting the distance maybe the way I should have. And um, going into Saturday, I was trying to finish. So that was, like, the number one goal before before competing, you know. But, of course, like, having that kind of conservative approach always sets you up to compete well, too. And, um so and I think that's kind of how it played out on Saturday. But having that respect for the distance uh, certainly was the only way that I was going to be able to get to the finish line, I think. Andy, you brought oh, up so, – oh, I was going to oh, say, go ahead, because Andy, you brought up an interesting stat before Anton joined us about the time difference between your first Leadville and this last Leadville was – did you say, was it seven minutes, Andy? Yeah, six or seven. Hey, yeah, you did. He did. And you, Tony did seventeen oh one in that amazing run in two thousand six. And what was it? Seventeen oh eight. Seventeen. Yeah, oh seven. I think it was six. I mean, oh seven, oh eight. So I mean, yeah. and and I want to say since you're on that, Ryan, I I I, I haven't looked in the stats, but like for major hundred milers, for a, a an individual to run fifteen years apart 
that close of a time. Like that's not even Tim Tweetmeyer at Western States. That's not even in like and, and top three at Leadville for 15 years apart. I mean, I know you just think it's another another thing you did, but that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And I want to I want to I want to jump right in because you you brought us back to 2006 when when I interviewed you about three years ago. A little story I was doing. I run far about uh, your 2006 Leadville. You said, and I'm paraphrasing. You realized you had to do the hard things and ultra running because it's so difficult and ego destructive. You said ultimately brings us all down. Right. And and this was in 2018. We had this conversation. Here you are in 2021. You kind of been through it and you, you know, you got you you got around <laughs> that damn turquoise lake twice and you got it done. So, I mean, yes, it's ego destructive and yes, it brings us all down. But 1701 in 2006 and 1707 in 2021, it's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, of course, it definitely feels good. Um, it feels it feels validating, and it, but it was it was weird because um, there was I can't remember where it was on the course. Maybe maybe coming back over Hope Pass or something, or maybe no, it was probably after that because I really didn't start trying to race uh, until after Twin Lakes which was a brand new experience for me. Uh, but, but ultimately, <laughs> yeah, but ultimately like a good one. Um, but I remember coming up hope pass the second time and it was near the top and some of the people coming down were like, Oh, they're only like 10 minutes up or something. And I was in third place at that point. I've been moving up all day and I don't know. I just had this, this moment of just like gratitude and appreciation of like, Oh man, I'm like, marching up Hope Pass above Treeline at mile 55 in the Leadville 100, it just kind of hit me for just really a moment, you know, like, wow, this is like all happening again, kind of weird. Um, and I've never had a moment like that in a race ever before, you know, and I think that just comes with age, you know, of like, of this like kind of true gratitude for like the opportunity and the moment and the occasion before, you know, you know, up, you know, seven years ago or whatever, and I stopped racing, like it was always just like compete, like try and beat people, try and win the race, you know, that kind of thing. And that's just a much different mindset than going out there trying to run your personal best race. Uh, and the main difference for me, I've realized is especially like when I, when I won Leadville in 2006, it was really the first time that I'd finally had any kind of external validation for my running um, I'd obviously, I've been super passionate about it for 11 years at that point, yeah. uh, running really high mileage, really, you know, putting all my energy into it, but I hadn't really had any kind of competitive results that had any kind of significance, you know? And so winning Leadville changed all that. And so it was this, you know, I was 23. Um, it was this kind of like, I had a chip on my shoulder about like needing to prove myself, validating all this time and energy I was putting into running and, uh, and it was that way for a number of years, you know, as a, um, as a top level ultra runner, uh, in the States and this weekend. So that was, you know, kind of always seeking that external validation, yeah. I guess. Um, this weekend running a hundred miles was much more just like internal validation of, uh, taking it on as a personal challenge and kind of like trying to be the best version of myself on that day but not with really no regard for like the, like the outside 
perspective or accolades or anything, just like wanting to to have a wanting to like do a hard thing that day and like be tough and uh, you know kind of conduct myself with the pride and honor, I guess. And that, those are just it seems subtle, but those are two like totally different motivation sources, you know. And for me at least, it's taken you know getting to my late thirties to be able to tap into that and being away from the sport for so long. So, yeah. Was there a moment, Anton, when you, you, you noticed that switch in your head from having that chip on your shoulder to the sense of gratitude of your body allowing you to do these pretty cool things and using that as motivation other than I'm going to lay these fuckers down because I'm Anton Kaprichka? <laughs> uh, it was a gradual thing. I was, oh, shoot. I'm really sorry about that. That's okay. People call Anton. It's you're you're a, you're a popular guy, Anton. I gotta tell you, you know everyone's talking that's, about the about the big yeah, race. You know, yeah, but that's that's ridiculous. I hate that shit. That's Trail Runner Nation calling. They're trying to book an interview. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, no, for me it was uh, oh, let's see. I would say, you know, this Achilles injury has been going on for four years now, uh-huh. and um, it kind of has gotten under control the last two years a little bit. And during that time, you know, obviously I hadn't raced until this past Saturday. I was just able to like be reappreciative of running again, you know, and and just kind of just be happy to be running and not even be trying to race at all or anything. And and so over the last two years, I would say that that perspective is something that is kind of grown in me. But it's also come from doing other kinds of competitions, mm-hmm. uh, particularly uh, schema racing in the winter and racing on the bike in the summertime a few races i've done maybe half a dozen bike races um but going out and and like the silly races we do here in the fall in boulder uh uh the flat iron scrambling races those things um i mean i'm good at those but i'm not very good at skiing and biking and so but i still found like those races where i'd finish in the middle of the pack you know not really any objective success to still be really rewarding and valuable life experiences, you know, like, so just the the experience of racing, trying to get the best out of yourself, regardless of competitive result. And that experience I think has been the most realizing that competition is important to me, regardless of uh, outcome um, has been the biggest shift that being injured for the last six or seven years has given me. And then, so that carried over to, going into Leadville this past weekend of like, I'm just happy to be out here trying to do my best on the day, you know, and uh, not necessarily trying to beat anybody, you know? Before we get into Leadville this year and kind of break down your race, you know, you know just kind of go through that day, that incredible day that everybody was scrolling uh, Instagram trying to get updates on. I would like to argue a point with you uh, that you made earlier on about you're not sure if if you can be one of those icons that help push the sport early on, early boom. Because I'm going to tell you, I want you to imagine now, before you, uh, Ryan Pluckelman running his first trail race in those black New Balance plastic Anton Kaprichka shoes. <laughs> and I had not, I was a heel striker. And okay. so, yeah, I'm a heel striker. And I've got my red Ultimate Directions AK one vest which i still have um 
And my wife will probably never forgive you for inspiring me to try and grow a beard, which looked like most people would claim I had radiation sickness. <laughs> so I, I don't know, Anton, if you felt a disturbance in the force when I finished that first race and my feet were so banged up and my knees hurt that I switched to hokas. I don't, I don't know. But I'm going to argue that point that I wasn't wearing Scott Jurek shoes. I wasn't wearing the Brooks Cascadias. You know, I didn't try to get a curly mop. I didn't wear his vest because he had an ultimate direction vest as well. I was rocking all the AK stuff. So I'm going to have to, we maybe just need to agree uh, to disagree well, on that point, Anton. Sure. I fangirled I mean, for a moment. I promise I, I told, I told AJW I wasn't going to do it. I just get yeah. one fangirl moment and I'm sorry, we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, that's fine, right? And I'm going to appreciate that. Like it's, it's a special thing to be able to positively affect other people's lives, you know? And I, I so yeah, I mean, thanks for saying that. I guess my only thing though is, for instance, the people who inspired me yeah. in the ultra world were Scott and Ann and Matt Carpenter, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm just, I, I guess my only point is that there were people racing ultras really well um, and fast before my generation came along. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's just like a, it's a generational thing, I think, you know? And um, so, yeah. This is the last Anton. Like oh, go ahead. Ryan, before yeah. we get into the blow by blow, I, yeah, I yeah. want to just circle back, Tony, to the point you were making about the re- coming back and comparing. We got to make this serious because I just fangirled. We got to get back to serious time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, plug them in. Work on some but, stats. But what I want to what I want to talk about actually, uh, Tony, is, is 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 actually about identity because I, I think most anybody listening to this podcast. Um, you know, knows that for the better part of a decade or so, you rode your bike a crap ton, you climbed, you ran when you could, you had fits and starts with your injuries. But, you know, going back to your childhood in Nebraska, you are a runner. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and this is something I can relate to. Like, I running is not only what I do, it's who I am. And for me, a 53-year-old guy with two resurfaced hips and, you know, a shadow of my former self, it's still, for me, getting out on a daily basis and running. And I think a lot of, a lot of people observing you, because you're very a public personality, were like, gosh, I wonder if he misses running. I know I thought this. I wonder, and I wonder if Anton, if he misses his identity as a runner. And, and and what I and and what I saw on Saturday was that identity back, you know. And I was watching from afar, mm-hmm. but I think I think when you are a runner in your heart, like I am, and like you are, even if it's away from you for a while, when you can tap back into it, it's something. It, just say what you want about cycling, climbing, scrambling, everything else, but I'm going to say. Aren't you at your in your heart and soul a runner? Well, it's um, you're 100 percent correct. Obviously, about it is absolutely like my my roots and my foundation, and it was my entree into the outdoor world and the outdoor industry and all that. Um, but you know, every time I go back to Nebraska. I'm always struck by like, yeah, this is really good running terrain, you know, pure running, yeah. you know, like running every step and like, but it's soft surface and it's rolling hills and it's great, you know? And, um, I don't know. I think, 
man, I was just injured for so long. And I still, I don't know. I still consider myself just always riding the line, you know, like yeah. I'm always on the <laughs> injury um, that I had to like relinquish a bit of that. It, it's, it's a part of my identity. It's certainly not the totality of my identity, you know, and I could never ascribe. I mean, if I had to say like the most general form of like, you know, wh- what do I identify as? It's like someone who, uh, is curious and needs mm-hmm. like movement outdoors. You know, I think there's just something very fundamental to that. And the form doesn't matter to me anymore, but running is the most elemental and simple. And that's, that can't be denied. You know, I mean, bikes are a pain in the ass. Skis are a pain in the ass. A climbing rack <laughs> is a pain in the yeah. ass. You know, yeah. <laughs> I love all of those things, but running, you just need a pair of shoes and go, you know, and you can do it anywhere. But, uh, I, I definitely great against, this is my own fault, but like I, because it was sort of what gained, like, well, I guess the problem with it is, and this goes back to what you're saying, Andy, like this weekend you, you felt like, oh, I, I, you know, was sort of expressing myself as a runner again. And that's, that's sort of the undeniable truth about my physical and maybe mental makeup is I really love these other activities. I'm not any good at them. You know, (laughs) I'm actually good at running. And that's always an element in uh, kind of your appreciation and your identity and your, yeah, just how much you feel like you get out of something is if you feel competent at it, you know, at at a high level. And um, so there's that element too. And it's just always a thing that is like come easiest for me, like most natural for me. So in that sense, it always trumps those other activities, but yeah. Was there moments early on uh, before you had that switch of motivation when you were still competitive, uh, Anton Kapritschka, when you were doing the ski mo and the mountain bike races and you're finishing middle of the pack, where you're going like, yeah, 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 guys, but how many Leadville wins do you have? Uh, zero. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that way. <laughs> it's, it's funny, though, because, you know, this earlier this um, summer, and Andy, I think your son Logan was out there. He did Unbound 200. I did the like the 360, the the long, silly version of that. Um, and uh, my dad came down to crew for my girlfriend Haley because I was riding my bike while the 200 started. Mm-hmm. And um, afterwards, he was actually talking about. I was talking to him on the phone. I guess Sunday after Leadville, and you know, I was just kind of expressing to him like how appreciative I was of all the support I had out on the course. You know, people were excited to see me out there and everything. And he's like, yeah, Tone, like there's none of that in the bike world, you know? And I was like, well, that's kind of why I like the bike world though. I was like, I can just, I can just like anonymously go race and not have to like, I don't know, deal with all that and not get, I don't know. So it's a double-edged sword, I guess. Yeah. But. Okay, we we need to ask you because I was I was looking at your Instagram. Did you ride your bike to Leadville? No. no. Okay, because I, I you were on this big like bike ride, and I'm like, how the hell is he getting there? Because you posted all these pictures on Instagram of you on a bike before oh, well, that Leadville. Was that was that was a few days before the race. I rode my bike couple days before and yeah the week before but not not up to the race well i don't i don't know if you follow ultra running memes anton i I, I try not to (laughs) 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 people people will send them to me and i'm just like this again okay so so you bob did you did you see the one 
of you riding your bike to Leadville? Did you? No, huh, huh, it was huh. Jesus riding a bike, and it <laughs> said imagine. Anton yeah. goes to Leadville. Yeah, that sounds on brand for for what they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I wanted to have a good race. You know, I wasn't doing it as a stunt. I was doing it to like get the best out of myself and to go compete. Yeah. Here's know? the thing, though, it'll make a better story if you mm-hmm. say you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I rode my bike. I, I I pulled in right as it started. Put my bike. I chained it to a to a light pole and said, "I'll be back in in 17 hours." Uh, and there you go. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I was just thinking about how different I my like the day before the race was than other years. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Sportiva had a house up there, so I, and it was literally a block off the start line. Like you couldn't get closer to the start line, and um, uh, you know, just luxury compared to you know the first three years I did it. Well, one I was sleeping in the bathroom. The other ones I was sleeping <laughs> in the back of my truck. Um, and wait, wait. The, the first year you ran Leadville, you slept in a bathtub? Uh, no, no, no bathroom. Ba- a, 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 a bathroom, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, actually yeah. did like a porta potty. <laughs> yeah. well, well, like a public bathroom. Like in a public yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. A public bathroom is yeah. where you crashed for the first Leadville. Yeah, I thought this was common knowledge at this point. Yeah, no, then in 2006, um, I drove up the, the day before. Uh, it rained all day that day, and I didn't have a tent. And my crew, which is a bunch of my college cross-country teammates, weren't yeah. getting in until that evening. So, I mean, I went to bed pretty early, but, like, I didn't want to – I didn't have a car that you could sleep in. Um, so I was like, oh, this bathroom's open, and it's pretty clean, and I can just lock the door, and it's perfect in here. <laughs> I just threw my – roll my sleeping bag out. and Yeah, so um, that worked great. And then they showed up at, like – oh, it was maybe 1130. It was pretty late because, you know, you get up at, like, 230 yeah. for this race. Um, and they were all, like – kind of drunk and <laughs> it was a Friday night and, um, so it was just much different circumstances than this year when I was in bed by 8.30 and in a queen size bed and right. you know, freshly showered and yeah it was great there had to be a moment the night before the race when you're like Tony I've really come a long way from sleeping in a bathroom that's reeked of urine to yeah, a the- memory foam mattress in a nice house yeah, but it feels almost like you've sold out or something, or like you've lost, you've gone, you've gone soft, you know. Like it's like you're not, I don't know, as core as you once were 15 years ago or something. Well, we'll just we'll just lie and tell everybody you slept in the bathroom again. Like that was like you went found the same sure. bathroom. You're like, <laughs> I mean, it's funny though because that same bathroom, I've slept in at least three times subsequently on like bike tours and stuff. Because uh, I'll just like roll in the town. I was like, oh yeah, I know this bathroom is here, and, bath- and it's always warmer because you're inside, and that way you don't have to carry your sleeping pad, and it's great. Yeah, I don't know. People I, of Leadville, people of Leadville, can we get that bathroom renamed the Anton Kapritska Memorial Bathroom? Yeah, it's, the, it's, it's the Ice Palace uh, for for the record, but yeah, Ice Palace City Park. Okay, so there you are. You've come a long way. You're no longer trying to sleep in the back of your car. Uh, your crew is probably not intoxicated at this point, and you're yeah. in bed by eight. I mean, you're getting old. You're in bed by eight. Yeah, that's that's normal though. I mean, it's like a normal bedtime for me. I'm I'm in bed before nine almost every night. Okay, all right. <laughs> just because I don't know, Haley and I get up early. Like I'm up before five most days too. You know, so it's just it's the way I roll. I don't know, especially in the summertime when the sun gets up so early. You got to watch out to when you start getting excited for the Denny's early dinner specials. That's when you'll know. 
Uh, you've you have reached- a problem if you're getting excited for Denny's <laughs> at all. But, uh. <laughs> all right. So let's break down Leadville 2021. You you're, you you wake up from that queen size bed, you get ready, and you start making the walk to that start line. Yeah, um, it was kind of funny. Uh, on the walk to the start line was Dave Mackey, like in the alley. He was just he was taking like a photo with his crew or something, like right before he went to the start line. And so you know we shook hands and wished each other good luck. And um, and I don't know, got like moments after I got to the start line, Cole. Uh, shot the gun off like with no countdown. I was still finding the satellites on my GPS watch when the when the gun went off. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just I went out. I knew that like my fastest Leadville came from my slowest split to uh, Twin Lakes. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I want to run my slowest first half ever and see. My main goal for the day was to have mile sixty five to eighty not be miserable. Because that's always where, like, I everything has always just gone sideways. I've dropped twice at 80 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't want that to be the case on Saturday. So, yeah, the plan was just to go out easy. And, like, I ran down to May Queen right on the pace I wanted. I think I was 146, which is right ballpark of what I have in the past. You know, a few minutes slower than some of those faster years. Um, and But I was in, like, 20-something place. You know, yeah. Uh, I I didn't even know what place I was in. I was so far back, and uh, but I didn't care at all because I was like, I know that I can run seventeen flat off this pace, and I know that twenty guys aren't going to run seventeen hours today. So you just don't worry about it at all. Um, and that was kind of the theme of the first half, and it all worked out perfectly. Like by the time I got to Winfield, uh, you know, I'd already caught and passed Ian, and he'd repassed me, and um. When I passed, I caught Ian at mile on the Colorado Trail, like mile 32, mile 33, yeah. Ian Sharman. Um, when I passed him, I was like, you know, we exchanged like a few uh, pleasantries and we just hadn't seen each other in a long time either. And um, and I was like, well, I'll sure you'll see me again, you know, because I just knew that, I mean, in my mind, Ian was the guy to beat on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, like he passed, repassed me going down in the Twin Lakes um, I caught him kind of right at the top of Hope Pass, but then he took off again on the downhill. And then coming into uh, halfway, Winfield, um, all those guys, younger guys who started out fast, um, well, there's the two in front of us, Adrian, who ended up winning, and then Tyler Andrews, who I like looked up after the race. I didn't know him before the race, but I mean, he's like a 216 marathoner. And yeah. Was a really fast, flat 50K guy. Um, they were leading and I came into the, and Ian was coming out just as I was going into Winfield and, um, in the A station was Cody Reed and I had met him the day before the race and he apparently was like going for the course record. And, and this was like, this was my competitive juices starting to flow in my head. I was like, (laughs) I was like, I was like, Oh, so uh, were you planning on negative splitting or? Uh... <laughs> because he was, I mean, that was just like me being a dick, but 
Well, I didn't say that to him, but I, I, because I'd been in his position of going out too hard. Yeah, spoken, spoken like a true guy who's gotten to Winfield in 740. (laughs) But but see, but that was the surprising thing to me, Andy, is they didn't get there that fast. I think they were there. I know, I know. (laughs) 50 or something. I was like, you guys aren't even going that fast and you're blowing up. What's the big deal? Like, but uh, anyways, running out of Winfield, um, he ran out with me, but he was really out of it. Like there's two little turns you kind of have to take to get back on the trail and he missed both of them, but I had to yell at him to get him back on track. Like he just missed the flagging, you know? And so then I obviously dropped him right away because he was just done. Um, repassed Ian, marched up Hope Pass. And the main difference was, and I remember this in 2012, uh, Dakota Jones was pacing me and I was leading the race uh, and we're going back up Hope Pass. And Dakota's like, I'm going to make you slow down. You have a tendency to like blow yourself up on Hope Pass. And he's totally right. And like those words like went through my head. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to like Ian's behind me. He's the person I need to be. Like, I'm just going to walk up the hill, like not even put any effort. And that's what I did. And, and it was, it was fun. You know, I was like, oh, this is so fun when you just like are out for a stroll instead of racing, you know? <laughs> all right. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in here because what I was, what I was freaking out about was what was going to happen when you got to power line the second time. Yeah, Cause I'm, I, I, my, and I'm sure I myself have passed you there when you've been sitting on a rock <laughs> and stuff like this. So that, that had to be going in your mind. So you get, you get to the base of power line. How are you feeling? Great. I felt really good. I mean, I usually hate that road section before it. Mm-hmm. And right. I was with my pacer Len and we were rolling like seven forties through there. I don't know. I just felt good for some reason. Well, I mean, the reason being I went so easy the first half. <laughs> Um, but we also had a tailwind. You know, there's always a headwind through there. Do you actually had a tailwind? Yeah, we had a tailwind, which is the first time that's ever happened to me. Um, so that was a, a nice little benefit. But um, no, I felt great. And I, my, I didn't know what my gap was on Ian, I guess it was six or seven minutes. Um, but we just started marching up power lines. And I, I wasn't, I was, I wanted to be careful. I mean, it's a long climb. There's a lot of false summits. So, like, I didn't want to blow myself up. I didn't want to go super hard. But I wanted to, like, you know, it's the last 20 miles. You're racing now. You know, I wanted yeah. to, like, go hard enough to be, uh, you know, continue putting time into Ian kind of thing. Little did I know it was Matt that I was actually racing at that point, Matt Flaherty. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I thought power lines went great. I felt totally good. I was actually and this is like not really Len's fault because, you know, muling's a hard job. He had a heavy pack on. I was actually dropping Len through there a little bit. Um, and he was pacing a marathon section. So he was just getting tired and hadn't been taking care of himself as, as the want to happen when you're pacing. Um, but then the other thing was, you know, last time I did the race 2012, I got to the top of power lines and I had to walk down the other side and Zeke and Clarky both came rolling by me on that descent in 2012 and I was like, this year that is not happening. So we ran that. <laughs> <laughs> we ran that really hard. Um, like I was, I was like, okay, it's all downhill to May Queen. I can just like pound this. Um, and uh, I was really proud of the way we ran that. And but it kind of came back to bite me in that I was pretty pooped. Then when I got to May Queen, like I, my last two hours are pretty bad. Um, and which was kind of a bummer because it came into May Queen. Um, and I was like, okay, sub 17, if I just like, like just keep running, I have sub 17, um, and second place wrapped up. Like Adrian was off the front. There was no catching him. I just wanted to be sure not to get caught from behind, but it didn't go well over the bow ramp. You know, it's just the trails a little rockier. There's little rollers and 
I just wasn't running those rollers. Like I was just tired. You know, you just, it's just how it is at the end of a hundred. You're just so worked. And, uh, Matt came by right at boat ramp. Um, and it, it, it definitely caught me by surprise because, you know, I'd passed Matt way back on Hope Pass and kind of didn't even realize it was him. I didn't know who it was yeah. at the time. Um, I mean, obviously I know who Matt Flaherty is, but like we'd never met before or anything. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know he was in the race, but, uh, like had signed up for the race, but yeah, he came running by, I mean, you know, when you make a pass that late, like you're, you're putting in a surge so that you look smooth and that you like pass with authority. And he definitely, I mean, he looked great when he came by me. Um, and for like maybe a minute, I kind of tried to lift and like not let him just like disappear into the distance, but I didn't have anything. It was just it very. And, and, and Tony, Tony, at that time, Dan, Dan was with you, right? Yeah, Dan Craft. I picked up Dan Craft at. Uh, Maple and he's a, is he an old he's an old uh, CC uh, cross country guy. Yeah, it's funny. So Dan and I actually never overlapped um, at CC. I worked for a year at CC after I graduated. He was a freshman the year that I was a writing tutor there. So, yeah, but we knew each other through CC, obviously. Um, and he was lined up to pace me one year before I left. I can't remember which year, but it was a year I dropped because he never got to pace me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I called him up to pace me. He, but he did the uh, Pike Speak Ascent uh, Saturday morning mm. and finished. <laughs> and then yeah. came Saturday night and, and paced you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then drove up and met me at pipe or met at pipeline and helped Haley crew and then picked me up in May Queen. Um, so he got a marathon in that day. Cause he ran, you know, he got fourth in the ascent that morning. Um, but, uh, his, his second half marathon was pretty easy. It was flat and slow. <laughs> but, <laughs> so but, but, uh, in the, in the full circle department, right. In, in Oh six, the place was the, the place was filled with your CC cross country roommates, Alex Nichols and all those guys. I mean, Alex is now the varsity cross country coach at the school and all this. I mean, great, great story in and of itself right there. But it's, it's a little bit full circle with craft there. And there's yeah. still that connection. I mean, it had a feel. I mean, you had you had way less of a group with you. You had Haley. You had, uh, you know, a couple yeah, other people. Man. Did it seem right? Yeah, it was perfect. Um, it was a nice mix of like like old and new that way, I guess, you know, because, you know, Lan is someone I know from running a bike in here in Boulder and uh, Haley had never, you know, this is the first ultra I'd ever raced. You know, Haley and I have been together for three years. I mean, it's funny, our anniversary is actually the day of Leadville, which I felt kind of bad about because, you know, <laughs> that day's all about me and it should be about us, right. you know, <laughs> but she's just giving the whole day and I'm taking the whole day. It's, it's kind of not a good situation, but she was awesome. Um, yeah, but it was the first race that she had ever gotten to like, you know, be a part of that, you know, in my life. And, um, but then it had Dan who exactly like I've known for over 15 years now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. It's gotta be interesting, Anton, because you talked about the starting line this year, as opposed to years past. And you said your goal this year was to finish and how, how, how conservative you took that first half of the race. But at some point, it sounds like the switch just happened where you went from compete or from complete to compete. That must've been fun to kind of have that old feeling come back again, where it's like, okay, it's on. Yeah, no, it's the best because I love competing. And, and, I, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I like competing uh, in kind of almost any format, but it's 
it's it's obviously especially nice in ultras because i'm actually like at the front of the race yeah um and uh i think competition is super valuable i think it's it's just this special opportunity to get the best out of yourself because you're being pushed from behind and pulled from the front and everything's set up for you to try your hardest you know and that's just not something that happens all the time like it, it's it's a special set of circumstances so um i i always respect just like kind of like the act of competition and but this year was much different in that i was like i'm waiting until mile 65 to start to switch into that mode and it just kind of worked out that that is when i passed in for good was at mile 65 um but when i did pass and i was like okay it's time to make it stick like it's not don't let him come back this time, you know, like actually maybe like push here and like get a gap. And, um, and that's the way it worked out. Yeah. So you head up the road, you see the finish line there, the iconic Leadville finish line. You're going to finish in third, seven minutes, basically slower than, uh, you know, 2006. Um, that's what was the feeling like heading back up that road to that finish line that you've seen so many times before. Well, I mean, you want you want the boulevard to be kind of, um, yeah, if not if not heroic or euphoric, at least like satisfying. But God, it was it was hard this year. It's just you're just like it just you just want to get to the end so badly, and you're just like if I just keep running, it will come sooner, you know. And you look at your watch, and you're like, well, I'm running at nine minute pace, and I'm hiking at fifteen minute pace, like. I should just keep running, you know, but oh, it's, you're in so much pain, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, but when you actually kind of crest that hospital hill and you got like a half a mile to go, that's when you can finally kind of like relax and take it in and enjoy it. And it was, yeah, it was special. I mean, every time you come over that crest and you can see the stoplight and the finish line of the mm-hmm. distance, it's, that doesn't change in 15 years. You know, it's special every time. hundred miles is always hard, no matter what Carl says. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it's always significant. I think, you know, it's, I, I mean, at least when you race it, you know, I think it's possible to run hundred miles, like easy. Um, like that was something I was thinking about on Saturday. I was like, well, if you decide to not start racing, you could probably finish in like pretty good shape actually, you know, but the, when you start, when you actually race, you're destroyed at the end. Yeah, so um, so third place would would older or younger Anton would he have been disappointed in third place and how did you feel getting third place coming back and doing this when you just wanted to 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 complete this thing? I think I would have I would have been more disappointed in third place say 10 years ago. Um uh there was only a small amount of disappointment this year. And that was just not breaking 17 and getting past so late by Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just, I just felt a little bit like uh, you didn't close as well as maybe you should be able to or something, you know. But it's just it's after not finishing 100 miles for seven years, um, it's hard to be upset with yourself. It's like a pretty solid performance, you know. And um so, you know, if I end up running a hundred miler next year, I probably won't be so easy on myself in judging the effort at the end, you know? Um, so, so I'm going to, I'm glad you segued there. Uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> to push the button on the way back machine again and, uh, and, and bring you back to 2010 Western States and 
I, I had a wonderful time chatting with you at the finish. Um, and I, and I asked you, you probably remember this, Hey, are you going to come back? And you looked at me and you just shrugged. And of course you haven't been back since. So I'm going to ask you again, <laughs> are you going to come back? Well, I mean, Western States is super cool, obviously. Um, the main problem there is I feel like I had a good race in 2010. Um, like I ran as well as I could that day. But I don't know. Given the opportunity to run Western again, I would. The thing is, like, so this is the funny the funny deal is, you know, all this talk about, oh, Tony was, like, running conservatively this year at Leadville and everything. Um, my splits – to uh what's it called twin lakes were nearly identical to 2006 and 2007 the years i won leadville mm -hmm. it's just that there weren't 20 guys willing to go that fast um like there is now 15 years later yeah. you know back then i was you know i had a big lead at that point and in 2007 i won by three hours or something silly you know um so it's not so much that it's just that the sport has changed and, and at Western it's the same thing. I mean, when you got Jim and Jared running low 14, like it's absurd. Like you can run. Well, I mean, I guess this year proved though that, you know, low 15 still gets you podium for sure. Um, it was really hot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It would be, it would be a very similar thing where I don't know. And this is, this is definitely a big shift for me, but the ego just isn't there the same way. It's 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 definitely that internal validation, like challenging myself, not challenging myself against others. Uh, that's the difference. And running Western again would just be another form for that. You know, I would be there just trying to run 100 miles again as best as I can. And where I shake out in the field would just happen the way it is. Um, I wouldn't be there trying to win the race, you know. Have you watched the right, movie? And I, 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 yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, Ryan. Yeah, okay. I, and, but, and part of the reason I'm, you know, you've, you've, you've mentioned earlier about your, you know, your role models of Anne and Scott. And of course that's, that was where they established their legendary status. And I mean, that 2010 race at Western States was incredible um, for on a lot of different levels. Um, what, what the reason I I asked that and, and will actually kind of push back again is um, do you I mean do you feel like you want to run it again? I mean it's a runner's it's a runner's race. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's where everybody has gone to kind of test their metal. And as as somebody who's been part of the Western States family for two decades, I know the race would love to have you back. What what would you think about that? I mean, of course. I mean, maybe you maybe you don't see yourself running a fourteen twenty, but I certainly see you running something in the high fifteens, given what you just did last yeah. weekend. And like you said, that would have gotten you second place this year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good point, Andy. Um, it's those are the exact expectations that I would have too. I would be like trying to run sub sixteen, probably. Um, uh, I don't know. It's weird. I. Uh, I, I don't know. What is it? Tuesday? Yeah. I, I just haven't had like a lot of reflection yet since the race about how I feel. Like I'm mostly just like wondering if my Achilles is going to be okay. And like, but the thing is Western 
and this is important. Um, and this was why, for instance, uh, I did Leadville and didn't like try Nolan's or something this August is, uh, Leadville's way easier on my Achilles than all the vert of Nolan's, you know, and Western States is similar. It's what 18, 19 K vert. It's just like not that much, you know, um, running is not so bad. It's running uphill. That's bad. Um, and, uh, so when Western's attractive that way, I guess like uh, I really enjoy, <laughs> I really, no, I really enjoy like, this was something, one takeaway I had from Saturday was like, you know, over the last 10 years, I've done a lot of wild shit in the mountains, like really like out there stuff, mm-hmm. you know, none of it is as physically and emotionally difficult as racing a hundred miles, you know, like you just, Cause you can like, you can stop and like have a snack. And when you race a hundred miles, you can't stop, you know? And, um, and that, so just having something that, that that's that difficult, it's a really compelling experience. Um, cause I just think those are the moments that push you to grow and learn as a human, you know, when you're challenged on such a deep level. Um, so a hundred mile racing is compelling that way. But I don't know. Part of me is also like, it just, I was messed up on Sunday. Like it's, it's still hard on the body, you know? Like, I, I mean, I, I passed out Sunday morning, like, you know, just low blood sugar and, and I was super sore and yeah, it was, it's a bad scene for a few hours. But so, I mean, that part isn't as attractive, but, uh, I don't know. I, I obviously I definitely won't say no to Western States. I can't, Right now, it's too early to, to make a definitive statement about whether I'm going to try and qualify for it or not. I think I'm still capable of, of racing into it, um, but I don't know if I'll make that a priority yet or not. Will you promise to let Andy know first? Because that's what he's really wanting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll figure out a way to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Anton, I wanted to ask you, did you watch Unbreakable? I know sometimes when people are in movies, they're like, I'm not watching it. It's too weird. Did oh, you watch it? I mean, I... I had to take that thing on tour when it came out. So I've saw it like a dozen times. Yeah. Cause I remember, I remember watching it cause, cause Joe Grant in that movie is the ultimate hype man. Like yeah, yeah. Every, everybody needs a Joe Grant in their life after <laughs> watching good, unbreakable. This is a good point. No, Joe, Joe is definitely a hype man in that movie. Um, I, I think there's one scene where, uh, I can't remember. Maybe JB asks him like, Oh, how do you think he's going to do? And Joe's just like, Oh, he's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, oh, well, it's good. My crew's confident at least, you know? Right. <laughs> right. It, it was funny. Cause uh, my buddy ran uh, Western States in 2015, my buddy Travis, and we were watching that movie the night before the race. And that scene pops up where Joe's like, Oh, he's going to win. And my buddy looks at me and goes, you're my Joe Grant. You are my, because that's exactly something you would say. You are my Joe Grant. So everybody think about all of the running friends that you have and uh, and think about who is your Joe Grant, because we all need uh, a Joe Grant uh, in our lives. Uh, Anton, what an incredible performance. What an incredible race. Um, I think you've now replaced uh, Andy Jones Wilkins barfing on the course as the most exciting thing that happened at Leadville in the last uh, uh, couple of years. Um, shifting gears really quick, 
because you're not going to give Andy a solid answer on whether or not you're running Western States in 2022. Uh, he'll text you. You'll just get a text out of the blue, Andy. <laughs> when you got some kid in your class mis- or in your office misbehaving, you'll get a little ding. It'll say, Tony, I'm in. And then you'll be really excited. That's how it's going to happen. But who are, who do you like now in the sport? Who inspires you? Which runners are you following and going like, ooh, I like these guys and gals? Oh, this is going to paint me in a bad light, Ryan. Um, I Because I... That was the thing. Like, I think Ian was like the only person I knew on the start line on Saturday. I don't, I I haven't been following the sport. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it goes back to, I love the act of running. Yeah. I'm not a nerd about it the way that I used to be. Uh, I really used to be into it, but, um, I just, you know, I follow the broad strokes. I know, I know who Jim Walmsley is. I don't think I've ever met him. Um, but yeah, so I don't have a good answer there. That's not really where I get my inspiration anymore, I guess. Okay, all right. Um, but what about the sport? As now as you've experienced it again, you know, you had that great Leadville finishes a couple of days ago. What are your thoughts on where the sport is at right now? I mean, to me, it felt the same, honestly. I don't know. Like, it's people, it's crazy how many people are excited about such a difficult thing, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I mean, almost 700 people lined up on Saturday in Leadville, and that's a lot of folks setting out to really try hard at something, and I think that's cool. I mean, that, that you know, in a broad sense, that inspires me for sure. You know, I'm coming back down Hope Pass, and most of the field is still marching up there. Like, I'm just like, wow, that is, that's something else. <laughs> so, yeah. The, the, being an out-and-back course, you do encounter everybody that's out there running. How many times... Did you did you hear holy shit that's Anton? And uh, and how many like did do you get a lot of waves and, and what do you do when yeah. you're racing at that point where it's like, oh hey, is it is it a lot? Does that slow you down on the on the back fifty? Uh it doesn't slow me down. It's a boost, it's an emotional boost. Yeah. But it's like it felt like, you know, virtually everyone uh when I'm coming back over Hope Pass there. You know, like obviously it's not everyone, but for, you know, eighty percent of the field it felt like. <laughs> um yeah, I felt like that was a huge like advantage I had over everyone else. <laughs> I was just getting all this like emotional love, like in a difficult part of the race, you know? Right. You were the, the, in the, the, the top of the pack. You were getting the most emotional love. I think that's safe to say. I mean, that's what it felt like to me, but yeah. who knows? Yeah. I'm we- not anyone else. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so have you gotten that, that inspiration? Have you been on ultra sign up Anton? And have you been searching for what's next? No, not at all. I haven't been on ultra sign up in years. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't the new the owners don't want to hear that, Anton. <laughs> yeah. um, are they owned by someone? It's not Mark Gilligan anymore. No, Mark sold it to a couple of guys in Nashville. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you don't follow. You just said you you a geek, so you yeah, missed out on. I mean, that. Yeah. I think like, but I, I want to really emphasize like I think running is awesome. I think yeah. it's I think it's the best. I, but all the other stuff around it is just not of interest to me. You mm-hmm. know. Um, it's yeah. So I don't, I don't spend as much time on it as I used to. I should have crossed off those questions. Those were some yeah, shit questions yeah. at the end. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap it up with this one. I know you're a reader. Uh, what are you reading right now? And then one, what is one book everybody needs to read? Oh boy. Uh, right now I'm reading this book by Haruki Murakami. Uh, it's called the colorless, Sakuru Tezaki, mm-hmm. guy's name, um, uh, and like, and his years of pilgrimage. I think is the subtitle. 
Uh, it's really good. Um, it's just a novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer non. I prefer fiction to nonfiction. Um, I'm not a huge Mirakami fan, but I would say half the books I've read by him I've really enjoyed, and this is one of them. Um, a book that I think everyone needs to read. Oh man, that's pretty broad. Um, I'm going to say White Noise by Don DeLillo. Okay. Uh, I think I think that has a lot of. Uh, you know, an appropriate amount of existential dread that everyone needs in their lives. <laughs> I had to redeem myself after those last two shit questions. Anton, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the Adventure Jogger. This was one heck of a chat, and and it's great to to, to see you back. Even though you said earlier you didn't really ever thought that you kind of left the sport, but it's great to see you racing again and competing at such a high level and really looking forward uh, to what's next for you and you, you're just going to have to text Andy. I'm just saying. It's, it's, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll see you at States in 2022. I'll make sure we book the uh, <laughs> Right on, guys. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, thanks. All right, everybody. You can go check out back episodes of The Adventure Jogger on theadventurejogger.com. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Till next week. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.